Welcome to Saga Thing, where we're putting the sagas of the Icelanders on trial. I'm John. And I'm Andy. And uh, we'd like to say happy holidays to everyone out there. Uh, we thought we'd get together for a special little treat for you. Um, we found something digging through our, our old libraries, uh, deep buried under the stacks and stacks of books and papers. Uh, yeah. A special little saga. Way under there. Way, way under there. Yeah. It's a, it's a saga that's never, to my knowledge, John, I don't think it's ever been, it's, it's unknown. Isn't it right? I think that's true. Um, I have read a uh, a later version of it, oh. um, but I think it's actually pretty widely published now. But um, yeah, no, this this original I don't think has been previously known. Yeah, and this one's actually really exciting because there are two versions of it uh, that we found. Uh, one is a, a a very rough kind of pre Christian version where the 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 poetry's not quite as strong. Um, the meter's a little bit off. Um, but it's definitely uh, a pagan poem uh, coming to us from, I would guess, from the 8th or 9th century. Uh, but the uh, the version that we're going to be reading to you today, it comes from around the 10th century, maybe a little bit after. And um, it clearly has a more Christian agenda. There's been some adaptations in there. Uh, so it's pretty exciting stuff. It speaks to some of the complexities of uh, religion in Iceland uh, around the 10th century. So without further ado, are you ready to take this thing on? All right, let's do it. The Saga of Gudmund the Grunch This story is known from a legend recorded of a man known as Gudmund the Grunch, son of Thordred, the son of Kol Grimson, the brother of Geir. His mother was Frith, daughter of Eof the Bear. Our poem begins in a cave in West Iceland overlooking the Watfjord, well known for its farmland. Every Watson in Watfjord loved Christmas a lot, but the Grunch, who lived just north of Watfjord, did not. The Grunch hated Christmas, the whole Christian season, and he felt that he had a pretty good reason. It had once been the Yule, an Assyrian party, when pagans foregathered and ate and drank hearty, and the reason that season left him so distressed was the Grunch still believed that the old gods were best. But wherever he went, the new faith came soon after, with noisy new masses and taxes thereafter. It came with baptisms, with laws and restraints. It came in with schisms and bishops and saints. The Grunch was unmoved by this new god and church, and in Trondheim he'd got in a bit of a lurch. The Grunch was exiled from his farm in Norway after killing a neighbor who prayed every day. He would pray for good weather and pray for good fish, so his god smiled upon him and granted his wish. Hating the praying, the grunt struck this man down. Then in spring at the thing, he was outlawed from down. So he sailed to an island across the blue sea. In a cave there in Iceland, he was happy and free. Until the Watsons moved in and claimed all the land. Soon the Watsons had Watfjord completely in hand. Marriages were arranged, good alliances made. As if that weren't enough, they controlled all the trade. These Watsons were friendly. Some pagan, some not. Some threw Christmas parties. Some held Thoroblot. They'd sacrifice bulls to Thorbaldr and Odin. 
while their neighbors sang wassels and gathered their kin. These Watson Yule feasts were crowded, joyful, and fun. All the people of Watfjord joined in, all but one. The Grunch, in his cave in the mountains alone, had long since become a troll off on his own. Now, please don't ask how. No one quite knows the process, but our human spirits are work still in progress. And those whose hearts harden against human compassion can find that their souls become cramped and misfashioned. The Grunch was a loner, and he liked it that way. And he stood in his cave full of rage and dismay. The hearth fires of Watfjord burned brightly below, and Watson cheeks flushed with mead soon were aglow. They're raising their mead horns, he grunchously growled. They're playing Neftoffel, he hooted and howled. Then he cried, his grunch fingers angrily drumming, I must find a way to stop Yule feasts from coming. For the next day, he knew that that big Watson crew would wake bright and early. They'd rush for their brew. And then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's the one thing he hated, the noise, 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 noise. The Christians and pagans and what girls and boys, all shouting and sharing their Yule Christmas joys. Then those what's young and old would sit down to a feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would feast on roast cattle, fresh fish, and whale meat. They would drink, they would dance, they would stomp their what feet. The Grunch was a killer who had killed for much less. He was tired of their noise. He was sick of the stress. Tomorrow would be worse than today, the Grunch knew. The Watson traditions were old, tried, and true. They'd stand hand in hand round a great big bonfire, like the Azir round Balder on his funeral pyre. They'd give gifts to the gods with their terrible song, singing prayers that the winter would not be too long. And they'd sing to the gods, and they'd sing to their Christ, and they'd sing in one rising voice of the zeitgeist. They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grunch thought of this one little thing, the more the Grunch thought, I must end these mad feasts. Why, for twenty-five years they've been acting like beasts. Don't they know they're all fools, with their tolerant zeal? Their feasts are all empty little more than a meal. Then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grunch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do. The Grunch laughed with a clap, and he put on an eye patch, a cloak and a cap. And he cackled and clucked, what a great grunchy jest. I'll join the what feast as an unseen gray guest. I'll break up the party and fool all those cravens. I'll make them a feast, a feast for the ravens. Then he called his dog, Grim, and he grabbed his two skis, and he swept down the slopes, zigzagging through trees. Toward Watfjord he roared, with stout Grim close behind, while in Watfjord the Watsons had all wined and dined. Now their feasting was finished. The Watsons all dreamed all the sweetest of dreams, while the Grunch skied and schemed. He approached their farmsteads in the shadows of night, no eyes were upon them. No doors were locked tight. They chased off the livestock and the Watson's prize bull, then snuck to the feast hall and filled their bags full, taking all the dried fish, the good cheese, the strong ales, the goat haunch and horse steaks and meat from fat whales. On the table were horns with hinged lids made for drinking, 
he tossed them all into his sack in a twinkling. On the walls hung fine weapons, swords, shields, and spears, long knives and broad axes, the plunder of years. The Grunch stuffed his bag full of all he could take, the mead horns, the homespun, he took the Yule cake. No Christmas, no Yuletide, no sweet Christmas treat, he sneered as he took the furs from the high seat. The more the Grunch took, though, the more the Grunch wanted. His sack grew too heavy, but he seized more undaunted. Then he smiled and sneered as he eyed the high seat. He sat and leaned back and he propped up his feet. And he said, this is quite a poor feast, they'll have two. No music, no drinking, no games and no food. So rude to their guests, such an awful letdown. Perhaps I had better just burn the whole town. Yes, a nice Yule barn burning to wreck their farmsteads, a fire to flush out my foes from their beds. Then the Grunch grabbed a torch and he set it alight. And then through the door came a wonderful sight. A lovely young woman with bright golden hair, the finest in Watfjord, young Freydis the Fair. The Grunch had been caught by this young Watson daughter, who'd got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She spotted the Grunch and said, All Father, hail! We're glad you dropped by. Have a seat. Drink some ale. And then she saw the sack full of their feasting supplies, and she looked at the Grunch and said, Odin, but why? Where are you taking our great Yuletide feast? Has your love of the Watson clan somehow decreased? But you know that old Grunch was so smart and so slick that he thought up a lie, and he thought it up quick. Why, there's nothing to fear, the fake Odin explained. This feast is too small. It's far too restrained. And so I'll replace it with something more grand. The Watsons deserve the best feast in the land. And the fib fooled fair Freydis, and he patted her head. And he got her a drink, and he sent her to bed. And he quietly muttered, This clan is confused. Asking Odin to Christmas? It's madness! He mused. Then he rushed from the room with his great bulging sack and skied home toward his cave without a glance back. He'd taken their feast, put an end to their fun. When the Watsons awoke, they'd know that they're done. And the Grunch fled the faster and hissed out a curse as he flew from the farmstead and spoke out a verse. Now there's nothing for them, not a scrap, not a bit. When those sword trees awaken, they'll all throw a fit. They have nothing to feast with. No bent horns to lift, no harps for their music, no arm rings to gift. No food and no weapons, they'll all blame each other. The Christians and pagans will curse one another, they'll feud and forswear all their friendships and peace. The Watsons are finished, my victory's complete. He spotted his troll cave and skied faster toward it with the sack on his back to his cavern to hoard it. Then Guthman the Grunch saw the dawn was just dawning down in Watford. The Watsons were waking and yawning. Ah, they're just getting up. I know just what they'll do. Their beards will hang limply a minute or two. Then the Watsons in Watfjord will all cry boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grunch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, raised his hat, put a hand to his ear, and he did hear a sound rising up from the fjord. It started out quiet. Then it roared and it soared. But it wasn't a crying. They sounded delighted. The Watts weren't fighting, weren't even divided. 
He stared down at Watford. The grunch popped his eyes. What he saw by the farms was a shocking surprise. Each Watson, the pagans, the Christians, and all were enjoying their Yuletides with nothing at all. The hosts were all happy, and so were their guests. They were singing and laughing, joy in their breasts. And the grunch, with his fists pounding holes in the snow, stood puzzling and grumbling. How could it be so? Their feast has no seal steaks, no ptarmigan stew, no ale strong or weaker, no mead left to brew. I've taken their puffin, their head cheese and skewer. I left them with nothing, their future's unsure. And yet they keep singing these praise songs and prayers. And singing the loudest was Freydis the Fair. Her voice rang out loud as it rang through the hills, and the grunch heard her song, and it gave him the chills. How could it be so? The grunch puzzled and pondered. What chance had he missed, opportunity squandered? Then the grunch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Yuletide, he thought, isn't for keeping score. And maybe it's not for the status and fame, but for families and friendships. The grunch felt ashamed. And what happened then? Well, in what feared they say? that the Grunch got a Yule gift and a new name that day. For the Grunch grabbed the feast bag, added treats from his hoard, and he put on his skis and he whizzed to the fjord. He brought back the weapons, he brought back the feast, he brought back the livestock, the ales and the meats. The Watsons rejoiced when they saw that he brought it. He may not have told them all just how he got it. And the Watsons all gave him a nickname that day, and Goodman Feastfinder was welcome to stay. He sang with the Watsons, danced with Freydis the Fair. He sat at the feast in the honored guest's chair. He led in the toasting, considered a prayer, but didn't know which god was watching him there. And so he just held his tongue, winked at chieftains and priests, and he, he himself, the grunch called for the feast. Andy, I think it's probably for the best that we uh, put that back where we found it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> there's some problems with that one, but uh, an interesting a- <laughs> story nonetheless. And it, uh, I think well, it's, it, you know, it's uh, clearly of a moment in, in Icelandic history. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to date this to the late 10th century. Definitely, definitely. Uh, um, definitely uh, yeah. dealing with some conflict. Uh, obviously, we've got some mm-hmm. conflict between the religions in there. Um, some interesting issues going on with uh, land grabbing. A fascinating, fascinating mm-hmm. story. Uh, hits a lot of tropes that we're familiar with. <laughs> and that's that's all we got for you. Uh, <laughs> happy holidays. Happy holidays. Uh, we hope everyone. you got something out of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, and now, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again in the new year. Absolutely. We'll be back soon. Take care, everyone. Bye for now. Sina, glow